following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Give that to the Lord. Come on, clap your hands. It's about Him. Come on, clap your hands real big. I love you, love you, love you today. God bless you. Wow. What a joy. Now, I want you to do me a favor. We're going to ask you to stand right now because next door, we are uh, we're, we're baptizing about 50 kids today that got parental approval. We had, a, uh, we had a summer blast here Friday night and Saturday. How many of you folks, while you're standing, would raise your hand and say, I helped in summer blast? Would you raise your hand? Come on, keep it up. Go real high with your hand. Don't do this number. Do this. Go real high with your hand. All right, let's give these folks a great hand. Summer blast, folks. We had over, had over 165 kids on Friday night and Saturday, and they had a time. I came up on Saturday. They were having the time of their life. But they teach these kids some beautiful truths and beautiful things, and about 50 are going to be baptized. So if your if you're children, if you're here for that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you be dismissed now. And uh, now if everybody starts leaving, I'm going with you, okay? Um, I told my wife if she ever left me, pack two suitcases I was going with her. That's just how I operate. So if all of you leave, I'll go out there and preach, okay? But if, you're, if you have somebody that's going to be baptized, why don't you slip out right now? Then you can come back in. Nobody will, nobody will bother you going in and out. So just go ahead now. God bless you. And, uh, and while you're standing, right here to my left, Zach, Melissa, y'all come here right quick. Just come, just come here right quick. Come right here with me. Uh, I didn't get to do the honor. Judge Bert Cobb did the honor down in San Marcos. But uh, Zach and Melissa uh, Gilmore are wonderful people, and they're, they're part of our church. And they got married a week and a half ago on a Wednesday. Amen. And then, and then after that, Dad, Terry Gilmore, baptized them both in a swimming pool. I think that's so cool. Let's give it up for these precious people. I love y'all. I love y'all. Amen. That's so neat. That's so neat. That's so neat. That's so neat. I, I tell you what, I, I, God's just good. Hey, we are having, we're having what we call an august month. We're not celebrating Caesar Augustus in his 31 days. That's not what it's about. But we're celebrating the fact that we can have an august. We're putting an emphasis on the last syllable, august, not august. In fact, august in the dictionary is before august. So God wants you to have a splendid, beautiful, lifting, wonderful, elegant August. Amen? That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And last week we talked about, we talked about this is the day the Lord has made and we'll rejoice and be glad. We talked about getting into today. I can't wait for next week because next week we're going to be sending our kids back to school. You know, parents, can I tell you something? Hello. Hello, parents. It's time. It's back to school time, H-E-B time, Target time, uh, whatever you do, Walmart time, whatever you do, it's time to go buy your kids something. And you know what? They're probably not going to like what you buy, so you'll probably buy them what they want because that's the way it is. That's society. It's been that way since I was a pup. Uh, my mom wanted to put some jeans on me one time that looked like old men jeans, and I said, I'm not going to wear them old men jeans. She said, you are. I said, Mama, I'll go naked. She got tickled and bought me the jeans I wanted. Amen. But what a joy to see all of you. Next Sunday is going to be a great day. We're going to be uh, praying for your children, praying for all of our, our ki- school kids. It's going to be a great day. But today, we're, we're just going to have a good time. 
I want to I talk to you today on a subject that I just, I just simply call Lazarus also. Say Lazarus also. And I'm going to, I'm going to share some things today. I, uh, I, I promise you people walked in uh, this morning and said, Pastor, thanks for the message on Wednesday night. If you've never been to our Wednesday night, you owe it to yourself to come. Crowd bigger than this will be here Wednesday night. A crowd bigger than this will be here Wednesday night. We'll put extra chairs in here. We do Wednesday nights well. In fact, one old boy said, if it ain't broke, you don't try to fix it. And we're not trying to fix our Wednesday nights. We're just trying to find more space for people to sit down. We really need that new building as much for Wednesday night as we do our three services on Sunday morning. <laughs> what a joy to have you on Wednesday night. And Wednesday night, Tarn Wells is going to be here, and he's going to be fun. Uh, and and, and I'm, I'm going to share something with you now. I'm going to sing with him Wednesday night. He doesn't know that. And his eyes are going to be big as saucers when I walk up on the stage. But I'm going to, if he can sing with Lionel Richie and Mariah Carey, he ain't never sung till he's sung with Pastor Rex. I'm going to sing with him. I'm going to tell him before I come up so he won't call the cops on me and have me escorted out of here. But what a joy. We're excited about him. And then next Sunday, we're going to have a great, great day. If you've been on vacation and you're back, we welcome you back. If you're going on vacation this week... Go on, get back, because your kids got to go to school the 20th, all right? So get back in town. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor. I won't be lengthy. I hope I'm good today. You may be seated. God bless. The book of John, folks, is loaded with the miraculous. Maybe it's because John saw Jesus different than the other three in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Luke, and Mark. John saw Jesus as the Word made flesh, the Word made flesh, dwelling among us. He went right into the fact that this was God with us. For John had stated, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in John 1 and 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Amen. In this one book, in John, it's a, it's a powerful book. It's a glorious book. Jesus, the Word made flesh, turned water into wine. That was his first miracle. His second miracle was healing a nobleman's son, and he did it about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. He healed the impotent man at the, on the Sabbath day at the Pool of Bethesda in John 5. He fed 5,000 men plus women and children in John 6. He walked on the water and then tried to help somebody that tried to do that and got his eyes on the waves. He helped him back in the boat. He healed a man born blind in John 9. In fact, there are 36 miracles in the New Testament. Four are deliverance. Six are nature and elements. Three are the dead being raised. And 23 are healings. But in John 11, folks, Jesus outdid all that he had ever done put together. Everything he had ever accomplished put together was done in John 11. When he raised a man from the grave that had been dead four days. Four days. When Jesus had raised the daughter of Jairus, who was a ruler in, in, in Israel, she was still warm. She had just passed. And when the widow's son of Nain had been raised, he was on a bier on his way to the graveyard. And he touched that young man and he rose up and never had to be buried. 
But when Lazarus was raised, it was a new day in the life of Israel and in the Lord's ministry. The Jews strongly believed, folks, that after three days, corruption set in to the body. They did not believe in embalming. They embalmed in, in Egypt, but not in, in Israel. And corruption said, in fact, they believed that the spirit of a man or the soul of a man lasted for about three days, and on the fourth day it departed and left the body to break down, and the breakdown was in motion. That was what they called the goodbye day. It was a day when everything had just said it's over. Day four. It was finished. May I say that God delights in day four miracles in our lives. When we think it's over, when we think it's finished, when we say sayonara, baby, when we say bye-bye, when we say see you later, when we say that, that's when God steps up many times. Because what is impossible with man is possible with God. And when Jesus stepped into Bethany on that finished day, on that day, the grieving Mary and the doubting Martha met him. And their finish was his fire, and their debacle was his delight. For on that one day, he took the nation of Israel and the household of Lazarus and all that would look upon him to a totally different level. When in essence he said, nothing is ever too far dead. Nothing is never too far gone. Nothing is never too far over that I cannot and will not turn it around. And it's as if when he spoke to Lazarus, he spoke to a generation of Israelites also. When he said, Lazarus, come forth, he was saying to a dead generation standing before him, come forth, Israel, come forth. Receive me into your life. I know you're dead in sin. I know you're dead in your theology. I know you're dead in your expectations and dead in your faith. And you've been dead for four days or can I say 400 years. You've been dead a long time. No one had heard from God since Malachi's pen had ceased. And then John Baptist came 400 years later. But if I can raise a dead man back to life, he was saying, I can raise a generation back to life. I can cause a generation to stand up again. The dead man arose that day in Bethany. The generation didn't. And though God was reaching for a nation and a generation, he did it by reaching one man. That's still the method of operation with God. Somebody felt it over here. The raising of one man or one woman, the salvation of one person still has impact on a people. It still has impact on a family. It has impact on a church. It has impact on a city. And it will have impact on a nation. God still sets the solitary. In the book of Psalms, chapter 68, the Bible said God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those which are bound with chains. The rebellious stay in a dry land, but those that are bound come out. I got a story to tell you. My, my, my wife had a grandmother that lived to her late 80s, and, and she was quite a lady. She was quite a lady. She, she lived in a little town called Overton, which is not far from Kilgore. And, and she had five children. She had a husband named Clarence. Her name was Viola, and they were both lost souls. They were both lost. And, and there was a little woman that was next door to her that was a little spirit-filled lady and a prayer warrior. 
that would go to her chicken house. Go to her chicken house because the husband didn't want her praying in the house. It was bothering him because he wasn't saved. He said, go out there to that chicken house. Let them chickens hear you pray. So the little woman would go out to the chicken house and she'd pray. And every day, Viola Green would hear her pray, Lord, bless the Green family. Save the Green family. Save the dad, the mom. Save all them kids, Lord. She had five kids. Said, save those kids. And one day, Viola Green went to church and took her kids and, and God saved her. God saved her. And every one of those children found the Lord and two sons became pastors. One of them is in his 80s now, but he's still a pastor in the spring area. His son is the pastor. He's the bishop. Another son pastored in Angleton and has gone on to be with the Lord. And a, and a daughter married a preacher. That's my father-in-law. That's my mother-in-law. She married a pastor. And two other daughters married elders and board members in churches. All five live for God. There were 19 grandchildren born to this woman, all saved and each married to the church, in the church and to the church. Six grandkids became pastors. Two granddaughters married pastors. One of them married me. Hallelujah. All others are prominent, active church members. That's 38. 43 great-grandkids all saved and married in the church. Many of them starting out in ministry themselves. I'm talking about pastoring. 41 great-great-grands all being raised in the church. Total of 177 and still growing. When God said, I've got somebody in this world that will turn a family around, he meant that. And I believe that I'm preaching to people in this house today. Come on, clap your hands. That's good stuff. I believe that I'm preaching to people in this house today that are solitaries. They, they set the family in order. And people look at that, fa that family member and say, you know what? Whenever I get big enough, when I get tired of this sin life, I want to be just like you. There are people that walk by you in a daily life, and you may not even know them, but you feel an urge. You say, wow, they have something that I'd like to have in my life. You know what that is? They have found the Savior in their life. The Bible said we are written epistles read of all men. My dad used to tell me, son, preach the gospel as much as you can, and when necessary, use words. In other words, just let your life be an example. Be a loving person. Be a caring person. And people will say, where are you? What are you? What are you about? I want to know what you're drinking. I want to know what you're eating. It's not that. It's what I found when I found Jesus Christ. There's something powerful about being a solitary in a family. Somebody needs to step up today and say, I'm tired of sitting down. I'm going to stand up and be a leader for the family that God's put in my life. Come on, clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. In Mark 5, there's a story of a demonic man being healed by Jesus. 2,000 demons came out of him. Imagine the feeling of the family and the town when the demoniac went home clean, evil spirit free, in his right mind. The impact of change that one person can bring on a family is phenomenal. Only eternity can tell the story. The book of Job spoke to the devil. The God spoke to the devil one day and said and declared, Have you considered my servant Job? I have some miracles running around down there on earth, enemy, and one of them is Job. I have some people that are showing forth my grace and mercy, which brings me to my text today. I love this because one chapter after Lazarus was raised from the dead in John 11 and John 12, he's at dinner. It's Simon the leper's house, and Jesus is there, and uh, 
The Bible said, much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see, everybody say, Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, folks, on Palm Sunday, the Greeks came to the disciples and they said, Sir, we would see Jesus. That's the desire of the world today. The world wants to see Jesus in action. Oh, they understand that he is not here in flesh today. But he has people walking around on this earth that represent him, and they want to see him. However, when he performs a life-changing miracle to people, they want to see Lazarus also. Lazarus represented the miracle. He represented the dream accomplished. He represented the goal attained. And they want to see what a man looks like that had been dead four days. They want to see a day four miracle. They want to see a this can't possibly happen miracle. They want to see what a man loosed of grave clothes looks like. They want to see what a man that was dead in sin walks like. They want to see what a man now resurrected by the power of God acts like. People want to see the change in people's lives. They want to see the difference. They want to see a new man. Can I tell you, when Jesus radically saves us, he changes us to brand new people. Somebody said, I, didn't, I used to be that, but now I'm this. I used to go there, but now I go here. I used to curse, but now I, I bless the name of the Lord. I used to use all kinds of amphetamines in my body, and I used to be a drug addict, but now I'm clean and I'm whole and I'm free. People want to see the change. Wow, I feel like preaching today. You may not feel like hearing it. Lazarus was an irresistible attraction. He had been brought to life. He was with Jesus. He was eating supper with him. He was alive. He was loose. And he was lethal. Some people are alive, but they're bound. But when one is alive and free, he or she are, are lethal. I've had people ask me. I was at the hospital the other day. My daughter, my oldest girl, had surgery on Wednesday. Thanks for you folks that knew and prayed for her. She's doing fine. She'll be back in church in, in a little while. But I was coming out of the hospital, and I was, I was turned around. I can, I'm, I'm directionally challenged. Patty is my navigator, and when I got Patty, I'm on the top side of life. And when I don't have her, I'm asking for directions. By the way, my sweet wife turned, what's that, what's that year after 59? I just don't want to say it. I'm afraid she's in the house. But she turned that. On Wednesday, she turned that next age. My wife turned 60 on Wednesday, okay? Give a hand clap to a woman that looks like she's about 45 at 60. But I've had people ask me, does so-and-so go to your church? Does he go to you? Does she go to your church? And uh, I said, yeah, yeah. Why are you asking? And I love when they say, I knew them when. When what? I knew them, man, when they were wild and woolly and fought everything and kicked everything they didn't fight and stole and cheated and lied. I knew them then. But, man, something's happened to them. Something's changed their life. Something's turned them around. Can I tell you what it is? It's not a preacher's words. 
It's not saints' presence. It's the Almighty God that we're preaching about today that can walk up to any cemetery and to walk up to any dead situation and call that person by name. And when they come out of that grave, they're not only alive, but they are loose. Hallelujah. They've been set free by the power and the glory of God. In Matthew 26, there's a story of a woman who came and washed the feet of Jesus and wiped them with her hair. She used an alabaster box and it was also at Simon the leper's house. Simon was a leper who Jesus had healed and he was probably the father of Judas. Judas was the most religious of all the disciples of the Lord. He was the only church going boy. And, and, when, and when she broke that alabaster box to, wa- to wash his feet, somebody said, why couldn't this be sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you, but you'll not always have the Son of God. And then he made this statement in the, the, the 13th verse. He said, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done to me will also be told in memory of her. On this day, ma'am, on this day, I think I know who you are, but on this day I celebrate the fact that Jesus was worth the costly ointment that you poured on his feet. I want to say thank you because you shared with me something that's so precious. Listen to me, folks. There's a lot of people that give their energy to things in the world, but you don't give your energy to the things of God. You bless the poor people on the street, but you forget to bless the church because the church is what brought salvation to you. You forget that. Sometimes we give our energies to things out there, and we ought to be giving our energies to God. If you can worship at a football game and a baseball game, you ought to be able to clap your hands a little bit in the house of God. If you can give to the pauper, if you can give to the poor person, and I do that. If you can give to the poor person on the street, you ought to be able to bless the kingdom of God. Because when you give to the blessed, you're going to be blessed. You give to those that, that, that need a blessing, you're not going to be blessed sometime. But when you give to the blessed, you'll get a 30, 60, and 100 fold return. It's time for people to walk in this house in August and start blessing the name of the Lord with everything they have in their life and in their heart. Come on, magnify him right now. Give him a praise offering. Thank him because he saved you. Thank him because he's touched your life. There are times that God, God writes a script. And I think, I think that story I just read to you about the woman with the alabaster box, God wrote a script that day. And I think three and a half years ago, God wrote a script right here. There's four times that God's written scripts in this church. And I can tell you all four of them. One has been salvation. The other has been healing. And then there was Two other things that God did in this house in the 28 years I've been here. It's like every seven years, he just kind of done something special to kind of show us extra things. But on a Mother's Day in 2015, many of you were not here. And God told me this week, said, you need to tell this story because I want my name to be glorified today in this house. And so I'll tell this story. There was, there was a, a, a little family that was a minister family. They sit right over in that corner right there in the balcony. It was in second service, and there was a little girl here that was pregnant out of wedlock sitting right here. And both of them were expecting children. They were expecting children. And the mother of the pastor, by the way, their pastor in Houston, he sends his love to us. He's quite a young man. He's building a great Hispanic work in Houston, Texas, and we give him praise and glory to that for that. Amen today. So I asked if anybody needed a special, a special miracle that day. I just felt it in my heart. And, 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 and Brother Joe brought his wife down, and they came right over here. 
And I said, what, what, what do you need, Joe? And he said, Pastor, he said, we went to, a, we went to a, our doctor on Thursday, and they couldn't find a heartbeat. This baby is, is four months in her. She could, couldn't find a heartbeat. The baby has lost its heartbeat. It's gone. It's dead, the doctor said. So they sent us to a specialist, and the specialist verified the doctor. So we had two reports, two doctor reports, and said, the baby's gone. And said, we're just going to believe that God's going to give us, give us hope and give us help and give us comfort in this time. I said, how about God healing that? How about God healing that? He said, I believe that. I've never, I've never prayed for anything like that, but we prayed. Several men gathered, we prayed. It wasn't anything wild and woolly. We just prayed. We called the name of Jesus because when you need healing, he'll just call on the name of Jesus. And he said, Pastor, I think Tuesday we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get a different report. He felt something in his heart. And so, so they left, and they went to the doctor on Tuesday, and the doctor got her ready to, and prepped for the surgery to take the baby out. And they said, let's check it just one more time. And they checked her, and there was a heartbeat, a strong heartbeat. It was over, and then it started again. By the way, here she is right now. There she is right now. Look at that. You think that's, that ain't dead. (laughs) Somebody needs to understand that when God gets ready to do a miracle, miracles still happen. Miracles still happen. He can take your four-day situation and turn it into a miracle of life. And so the little girl, the little little pregnant out of wedlock girl came up about 18 years old and said, you know what? I came to church today because my baby is also died. And a little old preacher boy, a little old preacher boy came up to her. I think he kind of had a crush on her or something. I don't know. He walked up to her and he said, I'll pray for you. God, heal this woman. He already believed it was going to happen. said, God can heal you. She went to the doctor on Monday, came by the church after the doctor's appointment and said, Pastor, my baby's alive. She acted like she couldn't believe it. I said, yeah, when you pray the prayer of faith, things happen in the name of the Lord. Here's what I want to tell you. God wrote a script that day. And here's what God said. Here's what God said. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher and a wife or an illegitimate kid's in your womb. I can take care of everybody's business in this house. I can take care of anybody's business in this house because I'm a God that heals the lame and heals the wounded and heals the hurting and heals the down and out and heals the saint. Anybody want to clap for that? I just feel like clapping again for that. That deserves an extra applause. Oh, yeah. The world came to see Jesus that day, but they also came to see Lazarus. 1 Corinthians 5 said, For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Everything is brand new. Say it with me. All things are new. Now let me preach a little bit. May I remind you that Lazarus was sitting at supper. Everybody say he was alive and loosed. Not alive and bound. I don't think hell would mind it nearly as much if saved people were still bound. Alive yet bound. But Lazarus was not only alive, he was free. He was unfettered. He had no chains. See, hell's problem is not your aliveness, it's your freedom. He doesn't want you being alive and free. He don't want you to be clapping your hands and blessing the Lord. He don't want you to be a solitary setter in the family. He don't want you leading by the joy of the Lord and by the peace of God that's in your heart. He wants you to be struggling with your journey. He don't mind you being alive. He just don't want you to be loosed. 
The story of Jacob in Genesis 32 was very beautiful. After wrestling with an angel all night long, he woke up with a new name, a new limp, a new start. He arose the next morning to go meet Esau, the enemy. But the first thing he did was divide his family. Now, you've got to get this. He divided his family. He divided the substance. He let the enemy know that I am afraid of meeting you with all that God's blessed me with. I'm afraid of it. I will meet you with just half. I want to be alive, but I have some habits. I have some traits. I have some generational curses I just can't let go of. So I'll meet you with half of what I have and not all. May I tell all of you, you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And God poured something into us to bring salvation, and it was not cheap. And when he poured it on us, he didn't just pour it on here and here. He poured it down here. He poured it in my arms. He poured it in all the, all the chambers of my life. He's not going to just settle for this. He wants everything in your heart and your life. I think this August month, you ought to sell out like you've never sold out to Jesus and walk out of here today beaming and saying, I'm tired of frowning every other day and trying to smile when I'm come to church. I want to smile every day, and if the devil tries to make me frown, I'm going to laugh even louder because there's something powerful about being redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So the angel asked Jacob, what's your name? It wasn't for the angel's sake. God knows who you are. But for Jacob's sake, and when he said Jacob, he finally told the truth of who he was. The last time he told someone who had asked him for his name, he had lied and said Esau. The angel wanted him to speak the truth. The world, folks, deserves true Christians. They deserve people that tell who they are. There's still the question today posed by the world, what is your name? What is your name? What is your name? I remember a story told by a man that was in the military and they were, they were taken captive. And there was a man in their company that sang every night. He sang every night. And they didn't even know his name. But they called him Victory. He sang every night. They called him Victory. And they said, Victory always had a song. You know what he sung every night? There's victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. In a prison camp. In a prison camp. Let me tell you something. When Jesus gets a hold of your life, it don't matter if people know your name or not. They just need to know when you walk in the room, there's victory in your soul. There's a hope in your life. There's a future in your path. And there's dreams that are going to come to pass in your life. Amen? Victory. Here is your answer when people say, what is your name? Say, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. Say it, I'm a, I'm a son of God. Right now, right now, now, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. And it does not yet appear what I shall be. But I know when he shall appear, I shall be like him. For I shall see him as he is. You need to start answering people. Every time they ask who you are, just say, my name is Victory. I'm a son of God. I live for God. I love God. Come on, let's have an August that will go down in history. Quit changing your identity. When the angel asks your name, tell him the truth. Let hell, the enemy, know who you really are. There's a, there's a story that's sad. You wanna, I'm not going to break it down much, but there's a story in the book of Judges chapter 1 about a man named Adonabezak. 
And he captured 70 kings. Kings. Not peasants. Kings. He, he captured kings and brought them and put them under his table. And chained them. And cut off their thumbs and cut off their big toes. So they couldn't grasp who they really were. And they couldn't stand up for what they really wanted to stand up for. Hell wants to capture kings in the church. He wants to capture queens in the house of God. He wants to bring your mind down to where you think that you are conquered by him. Oh, you're alive, but you're bound. It's time to be unbound. It's time to get a hold of this thing called the word of God. And it's time to stand for this thing called the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's time to walk in a world with joy and victory in your life. Come on, get out from under the table. You belong at the king's table. It's important. Hell wants half. He doesn't mind you alive, but he wants you bound. There are people looking at the window of the church seeing about the miracle, checking on Lazarus today. And they wanted to kill Lazarus because the miracle made people believe on Jesus. See, a lot of people that see you walking with a victory in your life want to start believing in Jesus Christ. Although they, we are the miracle, hell doesn't want us acting like the miracle. So, Randy, I want to close today. I want to close. If there ever was a time that we need leaders in families, it's now. The family, let me just talk just a second. The family is under attack. <laughs> Hollywood is trying to destroy the man factor in homes. They're trying to emaciate men. Do you ever watch movies? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not preaching that. I'm just saying that there is a move in society to take away men in our lives. And there is a move to destroy families in our lives. And we need dads and we need moms to step up. And if you're a single parent, God bless you today. God bless you. If you're a dad and a single parent, I pray for you. If you're a mom and a single parent, I support you 100%. When moms come in this church with their kids, I'm not a goody two-shoes. I'm really not. But when moms come in this church with their children, I give them special hugs. Because they need a dad. They need a grandfather. They need somebody in their life just to care about them. Somebody that's not trying to put drugs in them, not trying to take them down a path. Somebody. So, got a little old boy going to play football this year. He's going to be hard to tackle. I hit him on the chest this morning. My hand bounced off. I asked him when his first game was. He told me, I said, I'm going to come watch you play this year, son. And then when he was already going, I said, run over him, son. Just run over him. Get that Jesus charge in your life. But families are under attack. And it's time for families to stand up. I'm not trying to be James Dobson today, but we need to focus on our family. We need to focus on families. It's time. There was a man, there was a man named Ernest Shackleton. He was a sir. He had, he had, he had been knighted. He was in the Antarctic. August 1914 and he was trying to get to the South Pole and he decided to stop and wait for a break in the ice fatal decision 
He was a hundred miles from his destination and he lost his life. Here's what I want to tell you. We're so close. We're so close. There is a love factor in this church that goes beyond my words. There's more caught than taught. There's more felt than tell, and you know that. But I want to declare something to this congregation today, this very congregation, that our families, our families are important to this pastor and to this church. Amen? And if your family, if your family can lean on you, let them lean on you. Come on, Dad, Mom, if their family can lean on you, let them lean on you. Let them lean on you. Let them lean on you. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Don't be weak in this hour. We need families that will stand tall and strong for Jesus Christ. And so I've kind of preached three elements here. Number one, I talked about God setting a solitary. Number two, I talked about people want to see the witness of the miracle as well as the Jesus of the miracle. They want to see the witness and we're witnesses of the miracle. And the third thing I want to tell you is that we don't need to delay. We need to make a step today. Last week I preached on today. We need to make that step today. So I'm going to have you stand. I'm going to have you stand and bow your heads just a moment. We've got some time left. We've got some time left. Bow your heads and close your eyes. So, perhaps, perhaps you have, uh, you've wanted to lead your family, but you've allowed things in your life that hold you back from being the true leader that you want to be. You've wanted to be the mom that you need to be for your kids, but you've had some lapses and there's still some generational things and there's still some bondage and there's things that's holding you captive and God can take those things away he really can but he wants you to step out and say I want, I want help I've been set I've been, I've been delivered I've been, I've, been, I've been brought out of the ground but I want to be set free I want to be set free of this stuff I want to be a leader and then there are people here today that absolutely absolutely just need Jesus in your life you just need Jesus you need Jesus you see the first step of salvation folks is faith everybody say faith without faith it's impossible to please God you have to believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and when you have faith in him then you can confess to him that you're a sinner and we call that old-fashioned repentance it's confession you confess with your mouth when you open your mouth and say I need help Lord I need some help in my life then you're opening up the gate that God can come through in your life and he can bring deliverance to your soul but you don't need to delay you don't need to put it off till tomorrow so I'm going to open up this altar today and I want people to come that need to be touched with a, a spirit of leadership with your family and I also want to open this altar up today for people that just need Jesus in your life today and I want you to come right now the first the first service was full we were full in this altar here they come here they come here they come come on come on here they come come on don't be afraid do not be afraid do not be afraid come on down come on down do not be afraid get close get close get close that's it nobody
nobody's going to be hurt. Nobody's going to be. Nobody's going to be. Uh, have to be afraid here today. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Amen. 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 I see tears. I hear. I hear crying today. There's a. There's a lot of hunger in this church today. There's a lot of hunger. And if you don't feel like you need to be down here, would you lift your hands all over the building and toward these people up here and just let me bless them in the name of the Lord. Folks in the altar, I want you to lift your hands. I'm going to bless you right now. Dear Father, I bless these people in the name of Jesus right now. I bless them. God, don't let them feel one bit of embarrassment having walked this aisle here today because I've walked the aisle many times in my life. And I, I thank you for the joy of being able to walk the aisle and say, I need you in my life today. I need it today with you, Jesus. I need it right now with you. Lord, I want you to bless. I want the family members. I want solitaries to be set here. I want people to step up that'll lead people. Like Grandma Green, Lord, 177 people to the Lord just because you did the right thing and served God in the right way. There's nothing like that, God. There's nothing like that in all the earth. Lord, I ask you to touch. I ask you to heal. I ask you to help. In Jesus' name, touch these people. Help these people be what you want them to be. Hallelujah. Let them be alive and let them be free. Hallelujah. Let them be alive and let them be unbound. Let them be alive and let there be no bondage in their life. In Jesus' name. 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 Now I want every one of you with your hands up, I want you to repeat after me. We're going to pray a prayer of repentance. We're going to pray it. Dear Father, I love you today and I thank you because you first loved me. Now Jesus, I want you in my life. I believe you came to this earth to live and to die and be buried and rise again for my salvation. I trust you, Lord. I give my life to you, Lord. I want my life to be different after today. I repent, Lord, with all my life. I repent with everything that's in me. I repent. I repent. Forgive me, Lord, of my thoughts and my words and my actions. Let me be a different person when I walk out of here today. I honor you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for hearing my petition, hearing my prayer of repentance. In Jesus' name, come on now, rejoice. Come on, rejoice, 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 rejoice. Amen. Now say it with me. There is nobody can do me like Jesus can. Amen. Let me tell all you folks something. Let me tell all you folks something. We did a, we did a life group here in the summer, five, six weeks. On the last night, we had declaration impartation, and 54 people received the baptism of the Spirit in a life group. What I'm telling you is that God has a great plan for your life a great plan for your life and if you'll continue to follow after him 
not just on Sunday, but follow after him. And on Monday, get up and follow after him. See what God has for you. He's got some great stuff for you. If you're with your better half, you're with your mate, you're with your significant other, reach over and hug them right now and tell them, I'm glad I'm in the altar with you today. I love all of y'all. I love all of y'all. Wednesday night, we're back in the house of God. Cornwell's going to be here. He's going to be accompanied by Pastor Rex. I love you. God bless all of us.